how does somebody defend themselves with a shield? They're, you know, it's almost like they're in a little bit of a porta potty squat with their body and they're leaning forward, right? Not standing upright with their hips coming this way. He's like, so some of the times when I was resetting, I was opening up and my hips were coming forward and that ball was popping up. And he's like, think of, think of being a Roman with a shield and more and lean into it, embrace that, embrace that block, embrace the reset. So I started doing that. And then by, by doing that, able to seeing the ball and catching it, and then you're able to, to really backspin it from here versus here, that one's gonna go up, this one's not gonna go up. And then from this one, you got here into a reset, into a counter. So it'd be, it's a very, very small movement. So you can go between, you could reset, you could reset counter, or you could just counter. What's up, Pickleheads? Today we will be talking about counterattacks and resets, focusing on resets. But we have someone special here with us, uh, super exciting guest. Um, I'm actually a little bit nervous, to be honest. We've had other pros on here with us, but this one's by far the coolest. This is a two-time Major League Pickleball MVP, uh, part-time comedian, uh, and again, probably the coolest pro out there. Uh, also, the uh, I would say the master of the reset, so the perfect one to talk to about about this subject. Whether you're a beginner or or not, this podcast will be for you. But welcome to the podcast, Lee Whitwell. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to be on here. Now we're pumped. We're glad your team reached out, uh, like we were saying, and uh, yeah, we're super stoked to have you here. Um, before we start, even my my wife and my kids are like huge fans. Ever Aww. since, um, I'm kind of a weirdo, so I knew who you were before the first MLP, but right. my family didn't, and a lot of people didn't, right? And then after the first MLP, I was I was the one that had the TV on, you know, watching pickleball of all things on YouTube, and uh, then when it got to, I don't know if it was your, I think it was your first Dream Breaker, and it might have been against Deckel, um, and maybe maybe there was another one against Jay, but that was when my yeah. family was like, whoa. She's just ripping it, and now everybody's into it. So thanks to you, I got the the family on board with pickleball. So I love it. Cool. And yeah, poor Deckel is never going to live that down. I think they started saying, you know, <laughs> it, it became a thing. You've been deckled. Um, anytime you got passed by good and singles, or I mean, he was the unfortunate guy who got to go first. And in his defense, if anyone's ever seen me play pickleball, like like I don't hit the ball. I reset. You know. Like I'll put it the ball away right. it's up here, but for the most part, it's touch and resets. So I don't think anybody knew I had ground strokes in me. Um, I mean, I didn't think I. Had they ground found strokes. out. Yeah, I found out I had ground strokes too that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just remember you. Sorry, once I just remember you saying. Uh, you you were talking about it, Lee, after the fact, after you guys had won. Um, you just thought. You know, since basically you'd never done this before, and I'm butchering this, but grip it and rip it. Grip it and rip. <laughs> I yeah, could tell. it was like, like it, to use a tennis term. You know, I just went out there and started treating shots, right? And it's like close my eyes and and, and hope for the best. It's either going to be a great shot or a colossal miss, and thankfully, <laughs> it was the former. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's what happens when you play loose. You play a lot better too, if you just are swinging away. You know. Well, and you know, the dream breaker sets it up. Sorry. The dream breaker sets it up in that way where I don't think any, at any point in time, girl should go against girl or guy should go against guy in that dream breaker. It should always be girl against guy. There's so much more pressure on the guy. The girl has no pressure. Uh, you know, That's you a just, good point. The, the guy is supposed to win those points. So the girl has no pressure and you can, you know, you can get away with a few errors and you know, you get one, one, point and then you get two you know a two two is better than a zero four and then if you end up going three one in your advantage even better but um i mean the game plan all along was i was a sacrificial lamb it's like yeah just feed me to the wolves if i get one point i've done my job and that's all i was i was praying for <laughs> one mistake you know i wasn't praying to win right. a point i was like oh god just, just miss a return i hope they miss a return or i hope they miss a third or some sort of <laughs> or something right there wasn't there was no thought process of oh i could actually win these points <laughs> 
but yeah, I think that's how you have to go in too. It's just nice and relaxed. And that's really interesting that you brought that up, that it always should be guys playing against the girl because the pressure is so much higher. So that's a really good strategy going in for people that maybe play dream breakers, obviously outside of MLP, maybe rec game players. Cause I've played in uh, some match situations where we had like team versus team and we did exactly MLP format and it was super, super fun, but it was always lined up with guy against guy. It's like best guy. And then the second best guy. And then, but it's so true that that adds the pressure on, cause I would feel so much pressure playing against a, a girl just because I'm like, I, of course I have to beat her. Otherwise it's like, this is kind of awkward. <laughs> but and just, just I mean, just think like if you, if I had to play you, right. And you're like, okay, I should win this four zero. And now after round one, it's two right. two. The second time around, you're still carrying those two points that you lost with you into that match. 100%. And now you're like, oh my goodness, I, it was two, two. I've got to do better than two, two. So you're putting all this pressure on yourself, you know, or I'm like, I just have to get the ball in the court. Hopefully one more time <laughs> than he does. Right. Just one more tangent really quick. So I know you're a lefty player. Could that play a big role in singles? Being a lefty player, could you kind of explain to people that are listening how being a lefty is kind of an advantage? Or maybe you think it's a disadvantage, but could you kind of explain how it's more of an advantage to be a lefty in a dream breaker playing singles? No, because I'm still playing, and now you're asking me to give away all my secrets. <laughs> um, you have to give no, them away. There, there, is a, there is an advantage because there's not many of us playing, right? So you're used to hitting the ball. Let's say if you're on the right side and you hit the ball down the line, you're used to a backhand being there, right? Not a forehand. So sometimes mid-shot, you're like, oh, I'm hitting the ball in the wrong spot, and you try to pull it, and the ball floats or it goes out. So there is um, there is definitely advantage in that regard because you're coming at the you're, you're coming at the at the ball and at the game from a very different angle than the righty is used to. Um, yeah. You know, for us, it's different. We play righties all the time. Now put me against the lefty. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, why is there a lefty on the other side? It's so rude, right? Um, because it is different. You have to play that different. It, the, the ball spins differently. It slices differently. The angles are different. So you've got to really prepare when you've only got four points. You've got to mentally get into that mindset of like, I've, I've got to pick my patterns. If the serve goes out wide, I need to return here. If the serve goes in the middle, I need to return here and be very, very disciplined. Whereas when you're playing a righty, you, you, those are already, that's for lack of a better word, it's like muscle memory. Right. I like that you brought up the spin is different too. So like, obviously everything's backwards and we're so used to playing righties because majority of people are righty where we'll hit to their back and hit to their back. And then we get into a singles match against a lefty or even a doubles match and we're hitting everything to their forehand now. So we have to flip it over and then it just causes a ton of errors because we're not used to hitting it to that odd side of the court as much. So speaking of spin um, and speaking of resets, what spin are you hitting when you're hitting your resets for the majority of the time? Obviously a reset is where we are because there's a reset and there's a counterattack. So when someone speeds the ball up to us, we want to reset it back into the kitchen to kind of neutralize the point and kind of reset the point so that we can get a better opportunity to, for us to hopefully speed up a ball or for them to pop it up and us to be able to take it in a more offensive position. What spin specifically are you using on your reset? And could you kind of just explain to the viewers how you reset? Absolutely. Um, when, when I'm resetting the ball, you typically I typically do a little bit of backspin on that ball because um, I, I want to cushion the ball and make it spin towards me versus going towards you. Um, so, you know, the key to having the reset, to, the key to resetting the ball is like Rob Cassidy, who's, who's another lefty pro, gave me the best advice on my resets one time. He noticed what I was doing and there was something wrong and he fixed it. So I, I really owe the quality of my resets to Rob Cassidy. Um, mm, wow. he basically was, yeah, we were talking about, he's like, remember the, in the Roman times, I'm like, I'm not that old. I don't remember. I wasn't there, you know, <laughs> like, cause he was like, yeah, you remember back in the Roman times? I'm like, I, yeah, no. but I do remember history class. And he's like, think about when they've got a shield, how does somebody defend themselves with a shield They're, You know, it's almost like they're in a little bit of a porta potty squat with their body and they're leaning forward. 
right? Not standing upright with their hips coming this way. He's like, so some of the times when I was recessing, I was opening up and wow. my hips were coming forward and that ball was popping up. And he's like, think of, think of being a Roman with a shield and more and lean into it, embrace that, embrace that block, embrace the reset. So I started doing that. And then by, by doing that, able to seeing the ball and catching it, and then you're able to, to really backspin it from here versus here, that one's going to go up. This one's not going to go up. And then from this one, you got here into a reset, into a counter. So it be, it's a very, very wow. small movement. So you can go between, you could reset, you could reset counter, or you could just counter. In I'm kind of blown away. I'm kind of blown <laughs> away right now. Honestly, like that is the coolest advice I've ever heard. We're just going to yeah. say it came from Lee. There you go. <laughs> we'll cut out I, the part I mean, I about Rob. Credits, but I have to implement <laughs> it, right? That's so cool. So leaning forward because it puts your paddle face downward rather than upward for that reset. And then you're cutting under the ball, doing underspin. And it also can set you up for a counterattack. Awesome. So yeah, counterattack. It's an all-in-one move. It's an all-in-one. So counterattack, we are, instead of resetting the ball into the kitchen, we get that ball up high enough, we hit it down at their feet, try to come from a more offensive position, obviously. How do you counterattack as compared, and what's the spin for a counterattack? So in a counter, I'll do two counters. After I reset the ball, when I counter, I'll typically just do a small punch counter, trying to get that ball down. To, to have you pop it up. It's like an off pace counter. I'm not going to come at full speed, right? It's from, it's just coming from here to here. And it's, I'm aiming somewhere around your knee, upper thigh area, right? So that ball gets okay. popped up. Um, but if I have enough time, then it's a full counter. There'll be a little bit of a backswing, but not too much. That paddle is still going to stay in front of me. It might come a little closer to my chin and then it's a full on whack. And that one I'm going for your, um, if you are a righty, I'm going for your right hip or I'm going right. for your chest up here, right? It's either right hip or up here. I'm not going to go to center mass because center mass, you're going to sit backhand typically. And that's an easy block. So the hardest block is your right hip because that's an awkward chicken wing, right? Or up here where it's like, I just want to hurt you. But in a nice level. <laughs> One more. One more quick question before I turn the time over to Spencer. Um, how do you decide between hitting a backhand, either a counter or a reset, or a forehand? And obviously you're lefty, so it'd be over here. But how do you decide between, is it majority backhands because you have more reach on both sides? Or is it just depending on the ball that's coming to you? Um, to, I, I tend to sit probably a little bit more backhand than most um, because I'm a lefty. So I'm banking on the fact that you haven't, even though you know I'm a lefty, you, you haven't quite realized it in the moment and you're attacking my right hip, which is my backhand. Right. If you attacked my left hip now, you've handcuffed me, right? But if I typically play on the right, so the ball's in front of me, in front of my, my right hip or my, my right foot, a little bit further out wide, and you're gonna speed up, I might sit a little bit more forehand, you're coming across my body. Um, it all, a lot of it depends on the player, right? You want to study. I tend to study what players are doing and how they typically attack, and that's where I decide how I'm going to sit. But for the most part, I will sit predominantly backhand because I'm banking on you hitting my right hip. And that, cool. that, that's an easy counter. So it's not like lefties have faster hands, even though everyone's like, oh, the reflexes are out of control. I'm like, mm, it's you're targeting <laughs> the wrong body part, but it's right. okay. Because <laughs> you against a righty, that's a good shot. And 99% of the time you're hitting that shot against a righty. Yeah. And not, not all, not all Southpaws have fast hands, but Lee Whitwell does. <laughs> we know that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, what I started implementing, I don't know, maybe a year ago or so. Well, maybe I should explain what I used to do. Uh, I'm very forehand dominant. I don't have much experience with the backhand, with the backhand, a little bit of tennis experience, but anytime in tennis, if I had the opportunity, I would run around and hit a forehand as much as I possibly could and avoid that backhand. Cause I knew it wasn't that good. Um, so being forehand dom dominant, my counters were not very, uh, consistent. 
at all for a while because I'm always trying to put a forehand on it and it just wasn't working out. But when I finally started to do what I call the Colin slide, not the cha-cha slide, but the Colin slide, when I'm sliding to my right and using more of my backhand, it finally, finally clicked for me, right? But then you being on playing on the right side, I guess I should explain why you play on the right side. So you're on the right side, one, because you're left-handed, so your forehand is there, right? You have the op a better, an easier Ernie from the right side because it's a forehand Ernie and not a backhand Ernie. Um, but being on that, uh, being on that side, I mean, technically, anyone that attacks you down the line there is a backhand, whereas in my case, it's a forehand unless I, unless I slide. So can you kind of walk us through um, how you counter or how you, both if you could, how you reset and how you counter if someone attacks you down the line? If someone attacks me down the line, I'm, I'm looking at two things, right? One, I'm going to sit backhand to counter that um, because I can cover 85% of all areas effectively or I'm looking to Ernie, right? You, you have, there's a split second moment where you're like, oh, I think I could Ernie this. And um, if, I've, if I've learned anything from any videos of my Ernie's that I've watched, I should never Ernie ever again because the internet <laughs> likes to tell me how illegal they are. <laughs> like, Internet's wrong. I mean, do, I, it's, it's so funny how they think it's like that I do it intentionally. I'm like, do you honestly even think I know where my feet are? I see an opportunity and I go. It's like <laughs> stepping in the kitchen accidentally to hit a ball in the air. Don't realize you're doing it, right? But, but down the line, typically I'm looking to counter backhand and really counter backhand to right hip or ground if it's high enough. Um, in the rare instances that the attack comes from the cross court, anytime the ball is cross court from me, I'm sitting forehand, right? Because if you attack that ball to my right hip, I need to let that ball go. It's going out every time. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm going to sit a little bit more here looking for that ball and I can cover and slide effectively and get pretty much every area I need covered, covered. Um, mm -hmm. There are times that I'm not paying attention. I'll sit back and all of a sudden my partner's like, why are you on my side of the court? I'm like, cause I countered. She's like, you countered with the back end. I'm like, don't worry about it. I countered, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are blonde moments that do happen, but yeah, typically down the line, you want to sit a little bit more forehand and, and on the, on the cross court more, more, sorry, down the line more back end on the cross court more forehand for a lefty. Um, and that's playing on the right there. I do play mixed doubles with a lefty guy. So I do occasionally have to play on the left, which I'm enjoying. But that middle block is is interesting because it's a backhand that I'm not used to using on that side. I'm used to always right. being a forehand there, but it's right. It's my backhand there now. Very weird. And are you talking about Stefan? No, um, Jaden Broderick. Uh, it's, uh, I found a taller, oh. version, taller version of Stefan, <laughs> six foot seven. You know. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can just basically take one eighth of the court and I'm like, you got this, Jaden? He's like, yeah, no problem. So it's <laughs> yeah. fun. It's it's nice to see. No, that's great. Um, more on the reset. Um, being still. I've noticed too, if I'm moving around too much, if my body is not still, um, it's important to for me to bend my knees, to come up through my legs and my core, whether it's a reset or, or a counterattack. It's important for me to lean forward, like you were saying, like like Rob taught you, um, to kind of lean into it. Um, but I've noticed if I'm not if I'm not still, if I'm a little bit shaky, maybe in my wrist, or if I'm moving while I'm trying to hit it, it's going all over the place. What what would you say is a good technique or a good drill, or what do you do on your end to kind of stay still enough? to reset because some of these balls are hard. I mean, especially at the pro level, I'm not seeing the balls that you're seeing, right? Um, and on TV, it, you can make it look real easy, but what are you doing to kind of stay a little more still when you're when you're hitting it? So I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. The biggest mistake I think anybody makes at any level is being in motion while you're, but still being in motion while your opponent's hitting the ball. Okay. Um, because that it's hard to balance. It's hard to, to control the paddle. The, the, the less in control your feet are, um, the more your arm wants to help. Right. 
because you're off balance and the arm is like, hey, I got you, no worries. And the arm is so stupid, it should never ever jump into help, right? It's like your it's yeah. like your friend on Friday night who drinks too much and he's like, yeah, I'll drive home. I'm like, no, you're not. Nice try. You you can't drive anybody home. You know, it's the guy that said he was a designated driver that just ended up not being the designated driver. That's what your arm is in a moment of panic when your body when your bottom is not set. Right, your legs aren't set. Your arms like I'll help, and it overdoes things or tries to overcorrect. Um, yeah. So the biggest thing is making sure that no matter what, when your opponent's hitting the ball, your feet want to be not necessarily stuck to the ground, but you want to be in a lateral movement a very, very small lateral movement so that when the ball is, when the ball is hit, you can see the ball because a body in motion is going to react to a ball a lot quicker than a, a static body. A static body sees the ball, the brain goes, there's a the ball and it's like, oh, okay. And then we tend to lead with our arm and not our feet, but a body in motion. And by that, I mean, slight lateral motion. If the ball is hit out here, my right foot is going to take that step and an amazing thing happens when your leg moves, your arms naturally move with it, right? When we stick our arm out, our leg doesn't necessarily follow. Our legs don't necessarily follow, right? So that would be the biggest thing. And then the second thing is always exhale through the shot. Because if you exhale through the shot, you're going to naturally relax your body. It's hard to stay tense while air is coming out of you. Uh, okay. No, that's great that's advice really too. Exhale. I'm definitely moving your... Moving your feet. Uh, you said before, I guess I haven't thought about this way. I definitely try to stop my movement before I hit the ball, but maybe I need to be a, even slightly more prepared and recognize when they're attacking so that I stop my movement, you know, maybe before they hit the ball so I'm so that I'm ready. And like you said, my, my arm sometimes just does things that I'm just like, what, why did you do that? You know, mm -hmm. I guess because there's yeah, so many joints there. Yeah. But but legs first and footwork is is so important. Do you do anything um, as far as uh, footwork to prepare yourself? And maybe not just for the reset or the counterattacks, but footwork wise, I would imagine you're still staying, you're still facing the net. Um, but moving your feet, how do you know when to move your feet? How are how do you recognize when someone's going to attack so that you know to move your feet? And yeah, a lot of that is, is ball recognition, right? It's, I'm recognizing that maybe my dink was a little high or my third was high or my partner's dink or third was high or volley, right? And it's recognizing that flight of the ball, that arc of the ball, if it's still climbing as it's crossing the net, there's a chance that it could be attackable, right? And it's recognizing that and making that decision of taking that step off the line waiting, you know, being prepared for an attack, whether you attack or not, or not is irrelevant. It's the fact that I've recognized that that ball was attackable. If I recognize the ball that is attackable, I'm prepared for an attack. Now, if you don't attack, oh, well, we start the point over. No big deal. We've, uh, we reset our feet. Everyone's moving. Everyone's great. The point starts over. We, we start again. You missed an opportunity, right? But a lot of it is ball recognition. We get caught on attacks when we assume that whatever ball we've hit is unattackable and with the paddle and technology that they have now you can you can literally get a ball off your shoelaces and attack it and it's still going in so it's it's yeah. it's being ready for anything and understanding who your opponents are and you know if you're playing somebody who's steady eddie who doesn't really attack the ball you know i'm going to probably hug that line a lot more especially if they're in front of me but if i'm playing somebody who's always looking to attack i might take that step off the line on the down the line because i need more distance right? There's only 14 feet from line to line. So if you're reaching in, you know, you've, you've probably, you know, closed the gap to 12, 11 feet. That's a lot that, you know, you can, you can attack the ball and do some damage. I need to create a little bit more space. So I'm going to take that step off the line on the down line on the cross court. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the longest part of the court, right? And if they attack cross court, you just nail um, the person in front of them and say, thanks. That's the, that's the ultimate doubles, doubles team breaker upper right there. You attack cross court. I'm going to nail your partner every time with that ball and say, nice setup to you just to get you mad. Yeah. <laughs> and see, I know Especially I'm, I'm someone that needs, needs to work on, uh, maybe coming off that line a little bit because when you're first taught, 
it's it's always it's like triggered in your brain you know if you're taught correctly stay up on that kitchen line stay up on the kitchen line always stay up on the kitchen line and then as you play better players it's like why don't you give yourself a little bit more reaction time you can come back up on the kitchen line relax a little bit you know yeah give yourself that reaction time so that you can hit it so i i think that's really good advice something i need to work on Very. i know austin is really good at staying on the line and Austin's Austin's the much better player between both of us. I I know he can stay on the line and still be a- aggressive the entire time, but I know that, and I'm going to start trying now that you said that. Give myself a little bit more reaction time, or try to, you know, when you get in the moment. Okay, I have one more question before I give the time to Austin. But uh, when you get in the moment, Lee, you're definitely on a bigger stage. Like when I get into a tournament, sometimes I'll get on the court and completely forget what I was going to do. Like I'll just be like okay i i I forgot everything now i'm just gonna i see a ball i'm just gonna hit it you know maybe not that bad but if i tell myself for example like this okay why don't you back off the kitchen line a little bit give yourself a little bit more room when i get into tournament play maybe it doesn't work what do you do on your end to prepare mentally for tournament play especially pro tournament play so that so your mind's not a blank when you get on the court like honestly most of it is 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 doing the work, right? If I go into a tournament, having drilled a ton, you know, got my eye dialed in, have my shots, have my patterns worked out, then I'm going in in a much better mental state. If I haven't done the work for whatever reason, um, then, you know, doubt and a little bit of anxiety creeps in um, and the nerves can get the better of you, right? But the biggest thing that is for me is when things start, the wheels start falling off, is going back to your basics and doing the basics really well and breathing through them and focusing. We spend so much time, I think, giving our opponents credit. And and by that, I mean, I focus, you know, it's like we tend to focus so much more on what our opponents are doing than what we're doing. To me, it's like if I know if I've hit eight million dings, I obviously know how to dink, then no matter what the score is or no matter how I'm feeling, Focus on the on the mechanics of that dink. Breathe through it. Get your your you know point A to point B. Your starting starting to end point. Dial that in, and focus on that dance space instead of your dance space, right? Because we tend we tend to look up right before we've hit the shot to get ready for the next one, but we haven't managed our shot. Once the shot's left mm-hmm. your paddle, there's nothing you can do about it. So manage that part effectively to give yourself a better chance at success. If that makes if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Just a follow-up question to that, to add on to it with someone speeding the ball up. So you said when, when it's on, when you're down the line from each other, rather than cross court from each other, you take a step back. Are you staying a step back and dinking from a step back? Or is it because you know that you popped your dink up maybe a little bit higher than normal? And so you take a step back. Both. It depends who I'm playing, right? There's some people who are going to attack the ball off their shoelaces. So on the down the line, I will take that step back. Just, I mean, and you're, and you're talking about a foot, right? Um, right? If that ball goes back cross court, I'm back on that line again. If the ball is on my cross court, I'm, I'm hard on that line. If it goes down the line, I might just back off a little bit to give myself a little bit more time to have that read. And also, um, because I play on the right, um, I'm more of a setter upper. Then a closer, that doesn't mean, you know, the person on the right can close and can close very well and they can clean up messes, but they also build points. So playing with another, playing with a righty, I know I have a forehand there. So sometimes I will also back off that line to allow my partner to come in front of me to do something. Um, very cool. But it's, it's give and take. It depends on, on who, on what, who's playing what role, but typically on the down the line, I will take a step back just to give myself time. And you'll, you'll, it's amazing how like this much off the line gives you an hour of reaction time back. Right. Yeah. It's silly. I think, I think with me, it's more of a pride thing where like, I feel like I have to stay up there and beat the people up there. Like you speed it up at me and I'm really close to the net and I like have to stay there, but I really need to take a step back. And what I've been seeing lately within the last couple of months even, is Annalie Waters, Catherine Parento, when I've been watching them, they're like a foot back and mixed, especially. And it's so that their partner can come over and get that burt, which happens quite often, just like how you mentioned. 
So I think that's interesting taking a step back and drilling dinking from a step back because it's a different trajectory that you're dinking from as well. For you, how do you decide if you're going to counterattack compared to reset a ball? What, what's your decision-making process there? Um, two things. One is I'm looking at your paddle position and what you're doing, right? So I might reset the first one and I'm resetting the first one just to see what you're doing with your paddle after you speed up because I'm going to catch you on the second one, right? If you're not ready. Um, and I'm just kind of picking my, where, where I want to, where I want to counter. Um, and two is like, sometimes I'll reset inadvertently because I didn't see that speed up quite so quickly that I got caught on my heels and I had to like kind of shrink into myself to give myself a little bit more space to reset that ball. I didn't have time to counter. Um, but most of the time, yeah, it's, it's looking at my opponent's paddle and figuring out, okay, if I were to counter, I need to counter effectively because if you get the ball back, I'm countering to do this. I don't want to counter, you know, I don't want to keep doing this, especially on a backhand. Like, I mean, no tricep is as strong as all this side of the body, right? Right. Um, no one went down on the ground with a, by, by being hit on a backhand tricep. Yeah. <laughs> but bodies were taken this way. 100%. 100%. But see, like so you're my more... dream though to play against. Sorry, because if you're not going to back off the line, I just want to speed the ball up against you over and over again till I frustrate you enough so you pop it up and then I get the put away. And that's what would happen for sure. But, but, it, but, and, and that's <laughs> happening to me, you know? And right. it's like, hang on a minute, take a step off that line. Don't be, you know, put your ego aside. It's, yeah. you, 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 you're going back 12 inches, you're not going back eight feet. But the amount right. of time that you get and the ability to see what's going on and you actually see more openings on the court. Which right. great. So you have more of an angle. Yeah. And, and and you can you can see things whereas right here you're so into it that you can't you almost have a little bit of tunnel vision where you take a little bit of a step back, your 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 vision, your periphery opens up a little bit more. And you're not gonna attack the guy that's Obviously, you'll attack the guy that's at midcourt, but the guy that's a foot back, you're not going to attack him. It just doesn't make any sense. Because I've played with people that stand a foot back a lot. They'll take a lot of steps back, just continuing, and then they come forward, back and forward, back and forward. One of the best people in town where we live does that a lot, and it's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. So that's what I need to work on for sure, and that's what probably a lot of people need to work on is recognizing when to take a step back based off of who's in front of you and based off of if you're dinking cross court or down the line, because if you're cross court, you obviously have more distance from what you were saying, just to clarify more distance to be able to counter attack, reset the ball. Last question um, in regards to a counter attack, do you have a two handed counter attack ever, or is it just a, a defensive reset sometimes has two hands on? How do you decide between the two? Does that make sense? Or are you yeah. always just one hand? Um, as of late, I've all, well, I, I, I come from tennis and I had a one handed backhand in tennis. Um, right. I'm de I've developed a two handed dink and a roll and I'm learning how to do a two handed counter. Um, because I think, um, I was talking to, to Lee Waters this weekend and we were just talking about, you know, I'm like, if I, if I had one thing to add to my game, what would it be? And she said a two handed counter. She's so yeah. like, that is, that's starting to change the game. Because the amount of pace and power you can get now on your non-dominant side, right? right? And it's um, so that's sort of my new um, in between MLP seasons. What I'll be working on to see how that's familiar important. I can get it feeling. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, for me, anything at my body, I'm going to counter one hand if it's outside my body. That's when the two hand can come in. Like I just need to figure out if my brain can process that quickly enough. Because normally I'm just doing a reach like my right hand is pretty useless it just catches a ball and right, holds right. the ball to and drops it to serve it does nothing else uh so i need to train right, that right. side of my body after years and years of just using my left arm so just one yeah that's interesting i'm glad i brought it up then so you're working on that that's something that i have been working on and it just kind of feels a little bit awkward as you get closer into the body because you just have to kind of move your body to the side and what i've been seeing with Arena Tereschenko 
and Jill Braverman in MLP is there were is Jill was on the left side of the court and she would always I mean she'd hit majority backhands majority two-handed backhands and like come into her partner and come halfway over and it just kind of seems like you have to get the ball away from your body with a two-hander whereas with a one-hander you can kind of just raise that elbow so I guess it kind of depends more so on if you're countering compared to resetting possibly and and also yeah and also looking at because sometimes i feel like with a one-hander i can go three different directions very easily right it's a flick down the line a flick body with a two-hander it feels different yeah Yeah. so i think the two-hander is just for a you know going for deadly force and um because it's I think a hard counter to down the line would be hard to pull because of where your arm is going, where the cross court one, that's a natural body motion. But um, that's something that I'm going to have to figure out and learn how to do because I've definitely been on the receiving end of two-handed counters. And I'm like, oh, that's hard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't like that. (laughs) So it, it would be nice to put somebody else on the receiving end versus, you know, being the one constantly on it. We look forward to yeah, seeing I'm, that. That'll be good. I'm working on that too, Lee. So you're not the only one. I'm on a lower level, but I'm working on that also. It's just, it's hard to tell my brain to tell my body to do it. But one piece of advice that I can give is drilling. Um, if I'm drilling it over and over, then it does come once in a while. It doesn't come all the time when I'm playing rec or in a tournament, but it does start to come once in a while once I drill it over and over and over. It doesn't take as much work for me to tell my body to to put two hands on it to, you know, to to counter. How often are you, how often are you drilling, um, and uh, who are you drilling with over there? I drill probably eighty percent of the time, and I play twenty percent of the time. Like I'll do practice matches twenty percent of the time, but most of the time I'm just drilling because you get a ton of balls. Um, I have a couple of young bucks in Orlando that I'll drive down to to draw with me, which is a lot of fun. Uh, or they think it's a lot of fun making me run around the court. And um, <laughs> So I figured if I can counter them and keep up with their reflexes, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. And then I've got another guy, um, Eric Wilson, who is who lives here in the villages, and he's uh, he was an XD1 hockey player. So he's got lightning fast hands. And right. no matter what I throw at him, he's like, whatever, it doesn't hurt. It's a plastic ball. I'm used to a puck. Um, so it's fun. It's fun <laughs> drilling with him because – Nothing will get by him. And when I do get something by him, I'm like, yes, I'm celebrating excessively because it doesn't happen very often. Um, That's sick. Yeah. You know, so I'm the obnoxious one running around the court screaming because I, I got something, <laughs> you know, I tagged him with the ball or something. Um, but I mean, I feel like we've just sort of, I don't know, we set up our first uh, two-handed drill session for the three of us, two-handed counter. I feel like we all need to meet up now and, 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 and work on this shot. And document the yeah, progress. For sure. But the, 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 the when you're hardest back. thing, and I don't know if this happens to you, Spencer, but for me, the hardest thing is I can drill it all day long and it could feel pretty natural. But then doing it in a practice match, it takes a lot of guts. And I'm like, well, it's practice. I don't really care. I'm working on something. So let's do it. And then if I'm hesitant to sometimes pull it out in practice, and then pulling it out in a match is a whole different ball game. Yeah, it's like me. now this means yeah. something right if this goes horribly wrong it's either going to be an espn highlight reel or it's going to be on me <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it's one or the other yeah for sure i really feel the quick, same way Spence. but yeah go ahead really quick i just have one thing so it's really natural for me to reset when i'm playing on the even side i'm obviously righty but when i'm playing on the even side my partner ernie's they defend the ernie or my partner speeds it up, they defend the speed up. It's really easy for me when the ball is away from me, and it's natural to do a two-hander. But the thing that I don't understand yet is when someone's straight across from me, I just feel like I don't have enough reach to put two hands on it, especially if they get that right shoulder. So just going really quickly back to what you were saying earlier about moving your feet laterally, a small movement, are you prior to them hitting, obviously you're lefty, so I don't know which way you'd be moving, but you'd be moving <laughs> laterally one way. Are you, so you're moving your feet, staying low, but you're not jumping back, 
correct? You're just going side to side. Move your feet first and then arms follow. Yeah, and, and basically, if, if this is the ground, my feet are just lifting very gently, right? They're just kind of rocking. I'm just getting a little motion going. And, and the way I can relate to it is I think about when, you know, not that I grew up playing football because I grew up playing football with your feet, not American football. Um, but, you know, when the, the, the defense, the, the guy on defense, like when, the, when the, the offense line is running at them, right, they're in this motion here to block, right? They're not static. And they're able to, even though the guy in front of them may break one way or break the other, if they're, if they're in that athletic stance looking for the ball, looking for that person, they're able to move and get in front of them. That's sort of the analogy. It's like basketball defense, too. It's like they're getting in front. Um, and it's that feet first movement. So in that lateral movement, cool. if they go up your line, maybe they're, you know, it allows you to slide and smack. No, you're the other side. Slide, Sorry. And slide, smack. slide, slide and smack. Right. And I like that. if that, in that motion, I think it's when we get stuck and our feet get rooted into the ground that we try to, you know, move or adjust our upper body. And that feels awkward. But if we, if we always move feet first, it'll feel more natural. Very, very easy like, in principle, but harder to execute, right? Yeah. I like what you said, just the word slide and smack or slide and reset. So just remembering to slide first, that makes a whole lot of sense. And taking that step back helps a ton. Okay, Spencer, sorry for cutting you off. No, you're good. Totally lost my train of thought. I think we should fire Austin. Austin, <laughs> <laughs> but, but something else. Okay. We, <laughs> we will take over something my else came up uh that you made me think about and how does when you're getting attacked lee how does height and depth play a factor into the equation for you if are you more prone to attacking when that ball is a little bit higher or does it all do you base most of it off like you said you know trying to read it beforehand um i don't know more your position than than the height of the ball yeah, I think on the attacks, what I'm looking for nine times out of ten is like, am I, if if the ball is high, two things. If it's gonna bounce in front of me, do I have enough time to hold that ball to make you freeze, and then I can pull the trigger whatever I want, or can I lean in and take time away from you and and get a sneak attack in so that you pop the ball up and then I can do something with the next ball, right? Because it's like I think the mistake a lot of a lot of players make is when they attack the ball, they expect it to be a winner, whereas a speed up is purely a setup, right? I'm speeding the ball up because I want to get something else from this shot, not that I'm trying mm -hmm. to pass you with the ball because how many passing shots do we see in pickleball? Not that many, right? Maybe two or three a game. In tennis, you see a lot more because um, it's, a, it's a much bigger space. So I'm looking more to, to place the ball in a faster manner somewhere on your body that's going to give me a pop-up that I can now do something else with because now I've got you on your heels. Um, so it, it all depends. Like sometimes you'll get a – like Colin is really good at this. Colin will give you a ball, right, that's very attackable, and he knows it's attackable. And he's just sitting there ready to counter. And it's like the right. amount of people that fall for that, it's like – did you not see what he just did? He baited you into that and you fell for it again. Um, yeah. So there's some, there, you know, you've got to be wary of that too. There's sometimes that, I mean, you pop a ball up intentionally and you want them to attack it. And then if they do, you're like, hmm, fooled you. Sorry. You know? Yeah. So it, yeah, it all depends. Like a lot of the, the attacks basically are based on, can I hold the ball and make you panic and freeze and guess? And then I can pull the trigger. Or can I reach in and flick it at you a little faster to take time away from you? Gotcha. Yeah, and then be ready for be ready for that counter. Correct. If you are if you are attacking, uh, that's another thing that that I struggle with. Struggle with a lot of things, obviously. Um, but but being ready after if you have decided to counter, best advice you can get from anyone is be ready to counter again. Don't just think that you hit a winner regardless of where that where that ball is. I mean, just always be ready for the next ball and the next ball until you can hit it down or, you know, finally put it and away. If, and if you're playing someone, like I, I hate to say he's not that smart, but maybe who's reactive, <laughs> right? If you're playing somebody you can who's say not that smart, it's fine. <laughs> okay. But if you're playing somebody who's reactive and you counter and they block, it's just a block. 
right? And if you follow the laws of whatever, I'm not good at physics, math, or anything, but if you follow one of those laws, if I speak, if I counter at you and you react, that ball is going to come back in the direction that it left. It's always yeah. going to follow the path of least resistance because if you've just reacted to block the ball, there's no thought. You haven't been proactive to change direction. That ball is going to come back. So then it's a matter of bam, and then now I can counter somewhere else, right? So a lot of the times as we, we think that we, we tend to give our opponents a little bit more credit than than maybe is due because they've just reacted to your counter and it's come back the same way. You might be thinking, well, I've counted here. Now I'm going to do this. Well, the ball's over here now. Well, you've just made your, your opponent look really good by trying to sit forehand and go for a winning shot, understanding that that ball is always going to come back in the direction that it left. That's a That's very good point. I need to yeah. pay more attention to that. So obviously you do know math, Lee, because... That made a lot of sense to me. Well, I just, I, I don't know what the theory is, but I know that if you hit it hard there, it's going to come back the same way if that person's not paying attention. Uh, our viewers will, will tell us what the theory is. Yeah, we don't care what go. it's called, but we know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Oss, anything else on counterattacks and resets? I had something just barely, but it, it left me. It would have been really good. But... It would have been a defining no, moment. Good. This has been really insightful, though, with, I mean, crazy insightful. I've, there's just, she's just been dropping dimes left and right. So I'm really excited yeah, about the shield, shield analogy, Lee, especially. Aust, just so you know, I mean, we haven't told you, obviously, we just barely met you. We feel like we know you, but we just barely met you. Austin's a 5 plus player. So when I, I know, go play I people like I recognize him, Austin. Yeah. Yeah. He's a baller. So when I go, when I go play with, with people that are at his level, I'm thinking like, this is it. They know everything. You know what I mean? But then when you, when you talk with pros and when you play with pros, um, I've had the pleasure of doing that just a couple times. It's like almost a different game. Mm -hmm. And even just the little tweaks that they make versus, versus what we're doing is, is an absolute mm -hmm. game changer. So lots of these, what I'm trying to say is lots of these little things that you're giving us actually end up being huge on our end. So I'll like play yeah. this back. And when Austin's editing, I'm going to write them all down and I'm going to practice them over and over. And then we're going to be partners one of these days, maybe like okay. another can couple of years. Can you send them to me so I can practice them too? But, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's funny. It's like you, you, know, you talk about through the process of everything. You're like, oh, wow. You know, when was the last time I thought about that? I need to consciously think about things, you know, and because you look back and you see a counter that went wrong and you're like, what happened? You're like, I wasn't paying attention mm -hmm. where I was countering or the counter that came back. Right. And it's, it's a lot of it is just, we just mentally switch off. We do something, we counter well, and then we, we just mentally switch off. We go on vacation. Yeah. We're not in that moment the whole time. Right. And, and a lot of the times we make the assumption that, that we hit such a good shot that it couldn't possibly come back. And yet yeah. it did. Yeah. <laughs> there it was. That's what I was going to say is at a lower level you're playing. I don't know exactly what level, but you speed up the ball point is over. As soon as you speed the ball up, they're really laid on it. And then you go into playing a little bit better, a uh, little bit of a higher level and it starts coming back and the person's never ready. That's so used to just speeding it up and the point being over. So I think it's so important to just be ready for it to come back. Cause it's a pickleball. It's like, it's not a tennis ball. That's just going to, be 20 miles an hour faster coming off of the paddle or the racket or whatever it is. So I think that's interesting, but yeah, that's what I wanted to mention is as people, as you go up levels, it's really important that you just stay in that ready position and be ready for that ball to come back. Like Lee was saying earlier, other than that, I have nothing left to say about the reset. I think we covered it really well. But, very, but very think, insightful. Think about that guy, right? Who's the banger? Who's just started playing pickleball? Who's yeah. beating everybody and then starts moving up the ranks? They'll get to a level where that no longer works. And that yeah. is, you know, from a coach perspective, that's the hardest player to work with because now you have to teach them a whole set of skills that they should have learned when they were starting. But because they were getting away with something, they were like, no, I'm winning. I, I can, I can do this all day. You know, and then they get exactly. to four zero, and the four zero guy's like, "Not today," you know. Yeah. And then he's yeah. like, "I can't believe it's not working." I'm like, "Well, it was never supposed to work in the first place." You know, you just yeah. got away with something, and it's 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 understanding that, and it's it's the same. You know, even in matches, right? How many matches have you played where you got away with something, 
or you won a match getting away with something, you go into the next match, you're like, how come this isn't working? It's like, because you got away with something in the previous match. Yeah. And it's different people, different scenario. Regroup and let's go play a proper game of pickleball versus survival, right? Yeah, you form a bad habit really quickly, especially playing. If you go play with lower level players and you can just speed up and it doesn't come back, then you go play with your higher level players again and you formed a bad habit. And so you're just doing that over and over and over again and not winning the point. I don't know about you, Lee, but I get so much hate from people that don't play pickleball all the time. They'll they'll um, comment on posts and be like, oh, if these guys are 5 I must be 7 or something like that. Just something random, you know? When really they come in and they think that they can just bang the ball like you were saying before, and they can speed it up and the point's instantly over. But it's kind of interesting how pickleball is different in that way where – you have, it's like so strategic where you can just reset the points so easily, but people just don't understand that until they play. And, you know, and, and I think a lot of it is when you go to the parks and you watch pickleball, it's a very basic game. I mean, pickleball is very yeah. easy to learn, hard to master, right? But, and it's, it's also a game that, this is probably going to make some people mad. Um, I can go, <laughs> look, I can go down to the parks and look at a tennis court that has people on it. And be like a three-five tennis player is a three-five tennis player, four-zero tennis player is a four-zero tennis player. Every one of their shots is three-five or four-zero, right? I can tell, spot them a mile away, right? I can tell by someone's serve what kind of level player they are. A pickleball yeah. player, a three-five pickleball player, could possess a four-five shot, just one, occasionally, one thing, right? Right. And yeah. that gives, that makes them think that they are a four-five or that they're better than you know, and it's. And it tends to somehow dumb down the sport a little bit from a perception because it's like, well, I could do that shot or I could do that. And it's like, well, you know, can you really, can you do it consistently? But um, so, and I think, and, and also watching it, you don't see the nuances at the pro level. You don't see the nuances in a dink rally of what the dink is happening. It's not eight cross court stinks, dinks, right? Those dinks right. were in different spots. They had different spin. They were different heights, different uh, speed, but the TV doesn't translate that. In person, you see it a little bit better, but on the TV, it slows it down. So it looks somewhat boring and somewhat basic, right? And I think that's, I think two things. One, that's helped grow the sport because it looks like everybody can do it. But at the same time, yeah. it's also kind of made the higher level part of the sport look like dumbed it down in a way was like, well, I can do that. Especially tennis players coming in with a high, I mean, I can't tell you how many 5-0 tennis players are like, I should, I'm a 5-0 tennis player, so what am I, a 5-5 pickleball player? I'm like, how about 3-5, let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, they, and they don't realize that they've got to, you know, figure out the nuances of the game because even though it's a paddle and ball, racket and ball, strategy and different part the game is very different on a lot of similar on many levels but just as different on as many yeah 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 it's difficult for sure it's so funny hey it's so funny all the comments that i get all yeah. the time <laughs> it's always Lee, we wanted players. to uh wanted to give you just some crip with some quick rapid fire questions and you can only answer with one word okay so only one word answers if these words are explicit, that's up to you, but just one word. Okay. And, uh, so it's somewhat pickleball related, and then there's other things in here. And then we'll, this way we, we get to know you a little bit better before, before we end. Does that work? Okay, that works. All right, there we go. Steve Kuhn. Visionary. AJ Kohler. Sexy. He paid me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk. Interesting. Taylor Swift. Revolutionary. Harry she Styles. She took guitar in a lot of people's hands. Harry Styles? Mm -hmm. British. <laughs> okay. Justin Bieber. I... That's all I got to say about him. Hi. <laughs> That's my work. Riley Newman. Who? I'm kidding. <laughs> Competitor. Uh, <laughs> I liked who better. Pedro Pascal. Who? <laughs> Johnny Depp. Um... 
word. I don't have a word for him. He's just Johnny Depp. Okay. Ocean Gate, Titanic submarine. I'm sure you heard something. One word. Where? Okay. Jury duty, the show. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you meant my opinion on it. Never seen it. <laughs> okay. It's a good one. Check that one out. Okay. Uh, the Ernie. Mine. Foot fault. Mine. <laughs> Tina Turner. Amazing. Nate Bargatze. No clue. <laughs> Mr. Beast. No clue. Tom Brady. Ex-husband. <laughs> We're gonna, we're gonna consider Not mine, to be clear. Gonna... <laughs> uh, Tom Dundon. Oh, go get her. Anna Bright. Pro. Last two random ones, one of which is podcast related. Connor McGregor. Love him. And Joe Rogan. Insightful. Awesome. Those are some great answers, especially AJ Kohler's. Right? There were some people I didn't know, but I probably know them, but I didn't know. But um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure you know who Nate Bargatze is because I remember seeing one of your videos. He's a comedian where you... uh, Oh, did him? I do a voiceover you on him? You mouthed him. Yeah, you did a voiceover on him. Oh, then he, he's, he's, my, he's my favorite comedian. So, yeah, check him out. He's my favorite. Trying he's to hysterical. think what the video was that you did, but yeah. He's, oh, the he's going my... to the gym? I tell people I'm, I'm 300 pounds. I used to weigh yes. 300 pounds. Yes. Yeah. Love him. <laughs> yeah, Love him. Sorry. Ask me again. <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> we'll edit that in. Austin has there the editing yeah. skills, so he'll, he'll take I'll, care of I'll that. I'll get her done. So what's next for you, Lee? What's what's coming up? I know MLP San Clemente just finished. What do you yeah. have coming up next? I'm going back to Cali next week. I am playing the Newport APP. I'm playing mixed doubles with Sam Query for Premier. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. I like playing with tall, long-armed men who can cover the court. I just stand there and reset all day. <laughs> um, so no, looking forward to that. And then couple of stuff got you know july going to the going to england at the end of the month we're going home then going to england for the english open and then july 12th is a new redraft so excited for that see where i end up for the last season of the last half of the season and uh yeah just looking forward to to helping grow pickleball because it's a a unique space that we're all a part of and we have a front seat at watching this sport grow which is it's an honor because it's not often you, you, you know, we end up in a sport that's just starting. It's in terrible twos right now, I feel, but, uh, <laughs> it's fun to see it grow and to be a part of that. Right. So cool. Yeah. It's so cool to be a, a part of the start, which it doesn't feel like it's the start to everybody, but I mean, in the long term of things, it's like, yeah, it's just beginning. So two things you're from England then I did not I'm from know Gibraltar. Okay. Gibraltar. Where's Gibraltar? <laughs> Obviously doesn't follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> where no where are you from, Spencer? Um, so I'm I'm from Vegas. Austin is from Vegas. Austin is my little brother. And uh but I, I lived in Mexico for a little while. And okay. so that's where I picked up Spanish. And then and you did not pass it on to Austin. Yeah. Austin actually lived in England for a while. So, you know, he has that going for him. Where, where in England? So I was in four different areas. So it was for our, our church. We were just teaching the gospel. So he taught the gospel in Mexico and then I in England, but I was in pool for six months. I was in Painton near Turkey. I'm sure uh-huh. you know. And then I was on Guernsey, the island. That oh, was yeah. really fun. And I was in Brighton. And I had nice. such, that was my favorite area. I loved Brighton. Nice. 
So you visit England. Who's your team? Who's your football team? I'm in Liverpool through and through. Okay, me too. That's yeah. who I picked when I was over there. That's funny. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, you're back. Couldn't tell campus. you. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you a name of any of the players, but while I was there, I had to pick a team, so I picked Liverpool. There you go. Excellent. That's awesome. Okay, sponsors. Before we um, end, do you want to just give a shout out to all your sponsors? I mean, yeah, by. sure. Like, uh, knock around sunglasses, best sunglasses out there on the market. Uh, okay. Hippos, best uh, recovery footwear. Your feet will thank you after playing. Um, Taste Can Do, best uh, protein bars for during matches. So, uh, and my paddle bands, which uh, they'll, uh, these guys, they'll, oh, where's my camera? There it is. They'll, they'll customize your paddle bands. They'll put whatever, anything you want. Oh, that's legit. Oh, cool. And then they've got, Day Dinker with my name on it. Um, the latest one they put on there was You Muppet, because that's my choice of insult every time I mess up. Um, so yeah, they, uh, they're a fun company, but you know, love the, love the companies that are in the pickleball space. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, good for you. We've, we, this has been extremely insightful, so thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to implement the things that you taught us today, and like Spencer said, re-listen to it. And uh, hopefully all the viewers have taken as much insight as we have. But we so appreciate you being with us, Lee. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to see your progress. You as yeah, well. There you go. We're looking forward to seeing that two-handed backhand. Likewise. We'll compare. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Take we care. Will. Thank you. We'll you. Thank you, Lee. See ya.